have a small take on my end also like i have my own definition of growth i say that growth is about two things not making the same not repeating the same mistake secondly is not having not being afraid of the same thing again you need to be, be afraid of better things and that is where you're sort of growing in life and putting yourself in better situations Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Seed Stories. I have my buddy Manish here, the CEO and co-founder of Fellow. Fellow is a game-based savings and investment application, teaches Gen Z kids in India how to save, earn, and it's much better than a traditional savings account. And they just closed their seed round, obviously. They're on Seed Stories. (laughs) And we're going to learn all about that. Manish, Thanks for joining the show today. Thanks a lot, John, for inviting me. Super glad to be a part of this and speak with you and share a couple of uh, you know fellow stories with you as well. Awesome, man. Give us a little bit of a snapshot of your story. I mean, I looked you up. I feel like you might be the most interesting man in the world. Like, you started off your career working on Jaguars, <laughs> not 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 the animal, okay. but the car. You graduated <laughs> from 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 yes Gandhi Institute of Technology. You have a certificate in welding. Uh-huh. I mean, geez. Like you're putting all the rest of us uh-huh. to shame, like a total renaissance man. But <laughs> would love to hear about how you got into the wonderful startup game. Yeah. So I was a megatronics engineer during my undergraduation. Atma Gandhi Institute of Technology is one of the premier institutes in India. That's where I graduated. But in my second or uh, third year of undergraduation, I, I did my internship at Jaguar Land Rover in India. And it was basically a mechanical engineering internship. That is when I was trying to explore what exactly I wanted to be in life, like automobile engineering is something which excited me big time so that is why i went ahead and did the internship but post that uh, i was fortunate enough to intern with a company called zipper zipper was a startup based out of hyderabad india which was trying to make addresses simple like for example your address is a very long you know multi-line address they were trying to make it into an eight character alphanumeric code and they're making phone book for addresses that's what you could say it and eventually they got huge huge funding even by the government over here And I saw them solving day-to-day problems at a very, very grand level. I was, in turn, was working directly with the founders over there as well. Solving day-to-day problems gave me the adrenaline rush. And that is where I decided that, hey, like mechanical engineering is not exciting me at all. Let me start looking into something which excites me, which is solving problems. That is the core thing which started. Then I noticed that financial problems is something which excited me at a very very grand level in my final year of graduation and that is when i decided that let me pursue degree in finance and that's how my journey into the fintech ecosystem started i worked with hsbc because i knew nothing about finance worked over there understood the abcs of finance then pursued my masters over there and then i came back to india and then i wanted to build a business but i did not know anything about building a business either so that is when I chucked all my fancy MNC jobs and joined this early stage startup called Coinex. Coinex eventually turned out to be the largest cryptocurrency exchange in India. We were doing trading volumes of over $265 million. And post that, I understood the ABCs of building a business. And after two and a half years of working with them, that's how I started building my company. So yeah, that's how a raw mechanical engineer turned out to be, you know, someone who's building a fintech ecosystem, gamifying finance for the Gen Z and young millennials of India. 
Amazing. One of the things that I want to talk a little bit about is the startup ecosystem in India. It has sort of taken off mm -hmm. like a rocket ship over the last decade. And I'm wondering if there was something in the water at the various startups that you worked at that made you have the confidence to want to go out and build your own because you spent time at HSBC, big bank, right? Yeah. And then you yes. slowly sort of, I guess I would say, moved down the startup food chain, smaller and smaller and smaller yes. startups until you started your own. Was this something yes. that like as a kid, you were playing in the sandbox, you were like, instead of building castles, you were building, uh, you were creating business plans. Was it something that you eventually knew you wanted to get into? Or was it something that the more you got involved in the sort of startup ecosystem in India, the more excited you got about potentially building your own? So I guess it's, a, it's the second one which sort of excited me more. You know, first, as I told you, when I was interning, that is the first time I got a taste of what startups do. That is how I got to know. Like they're solving day-to-day -day problems at a very, very minuscule level. And they're trying to sort of extrapolate it to a very, very higher level as well. Now, post that, I happened to work, work at HSBC, which is one of the largest banks out there existing in the world. Now, over there, I did not see new problem statements coming up. It was almost like a cut, copy, paste of what's existing out there. I was just repeating it. And the value of work, what I was doing over there, I felt that it's just limited to some extent. That is where I noticed that I was getting, I was feeling more gratified while I was an intern solving those problems, getting very less paid than whatever I was getting out of HSBC. Now, that is when I realized that it's only the startup ecosystem which will sort of give me the happiness. Secondly, my value where exactly I could sort of give it in the right way possible. And that is where I took the step. But again, I realized that finance is one ecosystem where India has been lagging big time. Now, when we see the penetration of digitization in India, it is less than 30 to 35%. But you've seen the Western countries like US, UK, more than 80% of transactions still happen digitally. So there's a huge, huge scope of fintech penetration in India. And that is one ecosystem which I wanted to tap on at a very very young age and that is why i studied finance and then you know wanted to get into the ecosystem now even when i had the thought of building a startup the biggest biggest concern for me was i did not know where to start off with it's something like this there were a lot of ideas on my table but i knew that ideas cannot be business like they, they say this right a business can be an idea but an idea cannot be business i was at that stage and in order to validate it that is when i started in a, worked in an early stage startup now, over there, being the first or second team member after the co-founders, I was speaking with consumers every day. I was taking care of a lot of business operations. And through this, I understood more and more problem statements that are existing in the market. And secondly, bit by bit, thanks to the founders of my previous company, they gave me the opportunity to understand more about business. And that's how I got the confidence. So it was bit by bit, we sort of brought that confidence in me that, hey, I can build a business. But Bit by bit, I was also getting to know consumers in India at a very, very granular level. And that's how I ended up being into the startup ecosystem and building a startup of my own. Yeah. One of the things I want to elevate for the listeners who are, a lot of them are thinking about starting a company or maybe at a big company or maybe at a startup, first time potential founders. If you feel like a little bit itchy being at a big business, like you were at HB, HSBC, like it, something about <laughs> it just feels like it moves too slow. Maybe you don't get along with everybody. That probably means that you should come to our world of startups. And the reason why that is, is that you can kind of look at the pace of movement and the pace of innovation at some of these larger organizations, not to rag on HSBC specifically, but the incumbent financial businesses don't have the incentive to innovate currently. And so to the extent, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, you're out there and this resonates with you, it probably means <laughs> you should start to think about following Manish's path. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I still remember the day, you know, like it was one particular day in uh, 2015. This, this was one moment where I realized that HSBC is not the day for me. I mean, it's not the company for, or any large MNC will never be the company for me. Is Two incidents happened on the same day. I was on, an, I was working on an amazing project out there at HSBC. And that day, on one hand, Sundar Pichai was eventually announced as the CEO of Alphabet uh, back then Google. And one of my very closest friends, who was my senior at college, he happened to build a startup and raise a huge capital and i noticed that these two people led their own ways they had pretty unconventional ways of having life of their own and the energy where they were spending were having massive outcomes and i had the potential to spend the same energy but i saw that it was limited to a very very smaller quantum and that is the day where i realized in the next one month i put down my papers and saying that hey like it's it's i, I have to do something else so yeah, it gave me it gave me happiness at the end of the day with whatever I did. <laughs> light bulb moment. So going from that light bulb moment to eventually wanting to start fellow, where was that spark or that light bulb where you're like, okay, you know, so the next generation of of consumers really needs to have a way to understand savings in a language that they understand. How did that sort of come to fruition, and and where did this spark for that idea come? Oh, absolutely. So I left I left my last company, uh, which was Flobis, in the month of January. 2020 and after that i was just exploring different you know use cases that's what i want to call it i'm not saying i'm i was i was hunting out for ideas i was just speaking with consumers i believe in this idea that you you shouldn't squeeze a product into the market the market needs to ask for a product so across different demographics up across different industries I was just speaking with people for a good six months. And through that process, I got into this talent investor program called Entrepreneur First, where I happened to mm -hmm. meet my co-founder, Shaurya, as well. Can you just give a brief overview of Entrepreneur First? Because a lot of a lot of listeners really like to understand some of like the different accelerator programs or also co-founder co matching programs. So briefly, just touch on your experience there. Yes. So Entrepreneur First is a talent investor program. And what do I mean by talent investor program is they invest in individuals. Every year, twice, they select approximately 60 individuals. Similar to how YC selects startups, they select individuals. It's a very, very robust, exhaustive process with a very small percentage of acceptance. And what they expect these 50 individuals is communicate and build a startup of your own. And these people are across different demographics. Like most of the time, it's half business and half tech. That is the expertise, what they have. And we're talking about fintech, biotech. Every industry out there, it's a mix and match of it. And you eventually team up with someone and start working on an idea. And you get the mentorship, you get the platform and all the tools, whatever you need for it to eventually become a business. Now, after three months, you go and pitch to the investor committee saying that, hey, like we both have been working on this phenomenal idea. We got traction, we built the product, etc., etc. Then they go ahead and give you a pre-seed check as well. And after the pre-seed check, they also happen to advise you for the next two, three months and they help you out till your next seed stage investment. They give you an advisor, they give you the seed check, they give you the platform and more and more they give you a founder, which is super difficult. And that was where I was stuck. I just I just left my startup. I mean, the startup where I was working previously, I was looking out for my founder. None of I knew I was going to build a tech business and I knew to speak tech, but I did not know to code because I come from a non-tech background. So I was a product mm -hmm. manager in my previous company. So that is where I knew that I needed a CTO and I happened to go. I knew about entrepreneur first, straight away went to the program. They're giving everything to me on a platter, advisory, co-founder and funding. And I just made the best out of it. So that is where I met him. That that's that's where I met co-founder Shaurya. 
that is where we both ideated fellow together as well. That's amazing. I mean, I think that the thing that really resonates with me on that part of the story is like the tools that are available for founders nowadays are continue to become more and yes. more like institutionalized. You know what I mean? And I yes. think that the training grounds, whether it be, you know, entrepreneur first or YC's co-founder matching platform to, to go out and whether you mm -hmm. find somebody at your university, like if you have a decent idea, there, there really is no excuse. Now, obviously spending time yes. in like <laughs> building a company is incredibly hard. It's important for, for, for potential founders to, to realize that. Was there part of you that was like, Oi, I'm going down this path. You know, I, I have concerns that there's a, a high potential for failure, but I'm okay pushing through, through that. Or did you kind of like, which is often the case for many founders, just ignore, uh, <laughs> ignore the, the little, the, the little voice in your head and just say like, I'm just going to plow forward. You want me to be honest? I I was shit scared. Please, please, please. I was I was I was deadly <laughs> scared because every month, every month I was getting a very very fancy check to my bank account. My dad was super happy. You know, I was like, hey, like we we coming from an Indian background where uh, most of the parents are conservative, and I'm the first person in my entire family. Though my dad has his own big business. I'm the first person who told that, hey, dad, I don't need your money. I, uh, I'm i going to start up of my own. And, you know, the first heart attack, what I gave to him was I was coming back from U.S. to start a business. Then I took took the step of, you know, working in a company and everything was sorted. And then again, I told him that, hey, like, I'm not going to work in the company anymore. I'm going to sort of start up massive heart attacks to my parents. But even I was extremely intimidated because what will happen? I don't know, because I did not have access to VC community. All my right. friends are told that, you know, like, hey, we, though we want to start up with you, we are, we, we are exploring, you know, marriage situations. We are having other plans in our families. We just can't start up with you. And I was, I was deadly scared. I didn't know what will happen. But that is where the confidence came in that I knew what I did in my previous company at Coinix and Flobus. And that is where I realized that even though the path might be super, super tough, something or other good will happen. I did not have a plan B. This is my theory. When you're starting up, your plan B is already sorted for you because, you know, some of the best MNCs out there, some of the best startups out there are valuing people who have taken the initiative to start up way more than people who are having some of the best B-school degrees out there. So that is where I noticed that even if something goes wrong, I know something or the other brighter good will be happening for me. So that is where I just left everything for the next two, three years. I gave time for myself that I'm just going to focus on my startup, 100% energy over there. And I noticed that the best out of it has come at this point of time. So yeah, I was scared. But at the same time, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a basic human instinct that uh, it's a healthy scare what I had rather than something which just took the best, which never took the best out of me. That nervousness, I think, never goes away. I mean, when I built my last company, you know, no matter what scale you get to, and obviously as you get bigger and bigger, the stakes are even higher, right? Yes. And you have more employees, you have more investors, you have more customers. So that fear kind of never goes away. I think what you do as you grow, and it's really cool to hear that you kind of push through that. And I'm sure your customers are happy too, because they have a great product now, but that's right, that's I think right. you just learn to live with that voice in your head and say, okay, you know, like that fear is actually helping drive you a little bit. You know, there's like a lot of the best athletes also talk about this, you know, like it, the fear is that like adrenaline and stress that kind of gets you ready for the big moments. Oh, and abs absolutely. I think without that, that gives you sort of the energy to kind of drive forward. Yep. 
and and I have a small take on my end also. Like I have my own definition of growth. I say that growth is about two things: not making the same, not repeating the same mistake. Secondly, is not having, not being afraid of the same thing again. You need to be be afraid of better things, and that is where you're sort of growing in life and putting yourself in better situations. If you're being at the same space you were afraid in the past, and if you're at the same space where you're repeating the same mistake, then you have not grown, and you're in the same space. And that is where I feel that two years ago when I started up and where I am right now, even while I'm speaking with you, I have a lot of fears in my ha- head. You know, like, hey, like, what's <laughs> going to happen in the next one year? Like, I, I have to meet these business matrices. Yeah. You know, cust- the, while I'm speaking, apparently, I have another screen open up where I have my customer support tickets coming up. So I'm seeing all these things yeah. happening up. But you know, it's it's a healthy scare what we have, which always gives us the push to you know grow more and more in life. Well, you know, I, I'm glad that you said that. It's important for everybody to to hear that and for it to be normalized. Every time I did fundraising for my last company, uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm not scared of this anymore." And then after it was done, I was like, "That was awful." <laughs> it's 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 more right. Like um, you know, one thing one thing people you know miss out is they they, they see the the brighter side of the startup ego. They, they see the fancy side of startup ego, the fundraising, the matrices. Totally. But but on the back background, especially the founders, they have to manage five people. First the Customers, this this is my this is my you know level of priority. Customers, secondly are your uh, investors. Yeah. Third is your team. Fourth is your family, and fifth is yourself. You even need yeah. to manage. If you are not managing yourself, yeah. you won't be able to manage the other four. And all these you know emotional, mental, physical turmoil goes down. But again, we are always happy with the cheerful faces and keeping the business straight up. So that 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 that's a that's a another side of starting up also, right? Like uh, you're taking up a life. Where no one took, there are some amazing outcomes, but at the same time, you need to be physically, mentally, always, always in the best shape possible. You will have your lows, but at the same time, you learn how to sort of handle them as well. One of the reasons we started this pod was to really help founders who are currently in the pre-seed moment or, or in the seed moment, right? And like feel from other founders what it's like to be there or be on yes. the other side. Yes. And so everything you're saying is really, really helpful and supportive of a lot of why we, we, we started this. I want to get to the sort of early days of Fellow. Yes. So you and your co-founder got together. Yes. You started writing your first lines of code. Yes. You know, everybody has seen the movie Social Network. They think it's like <laughs> taking tequila shots and coding and it's like a movie montage. But like, yes. I, I was talking to a friend last night who started his first company and he's mm-hmm. like, this is really boring. I'm doing a lot of data entry and it's like really, <laughs> it's like really not fun. Sure. So maybe, yeah, paint a picture of those first couple months and the first few challenges that you faced. I, I remember every bit of it, you know, it was in October, 2020, peak time in Bangalore. I was in Hyderabad, Shaurya was in New Delhi and we both decided that, hey, like, Let's start the pandemic. Let's start working together in Bangalore because we were all in for building a business. We have been part of Entrepreneur First and we knew that, you know, these people are going to fund us. Money is there on the table. We had to validate a business and show it to them. So we both flew down to Bangalore. We took up an apartment in Bangalore and Saudi's table was flooded. There was there was one laptop in between and it was just flooded with a lot of beer cans and he was coding. We had two simple targets for ourselves. <laughs> I was getting all the licenses required to build the business in one month. Shaurya promised that he's going to get the basic, basic point or proof of concept version of the application in one month. We both st- stick to our promises. I got the license. It was very, very difficult to crack just within one month. Shaurya built the application, the very, very minimum version of the application, though it was super difficult to build. 
sleepless nights we just built it and we launched the first version of the application the the rawish form i guess it was on november 28th 2020 and it it just went viral it just went absolutely viral and we weren't ready for it at morning 3 o'clock 4 o'clock awesome, awesome. uh 3 o'clock 4 o'clock in the morning we had a whatsapp chat support we were answering it we both were customer success support people for the next 3 months nothing else we decided tech is working great no issues we just need to answer these issues and that is what we painted the picture to entrepreneur first and we got our funding so that's how our first few days worked it happened for 3 months for sure and then you know those sleepless nights those endless efforts resulted in something tangible for us as well and again the first thing what we did was we slept as soon as we got the money as soon as we got some tangible outcome we slept because that is what we felt as was as a trophy for us because that is that was something which we weren't getting at all while you sort of building the during the early days of starting up again this is like no excuses rule number 2 of manish's like advice here which is like you can build a product in one month if you really want to and yes. a lot of people are like well i need funding i need this i need like you know i really need to like validate this you know with you know, for 6 months and There's no excuses. Like you, you and, and then again, we'll talk about your experience at YC. Yes. You know, if you really want to and you really care, then you will spend the time to to really deliver at a fast pace. And it's amazing what people can do. I mean, Patrick Collison put this great post up a, a while ago called Fast about like the speed and pace at which people and humans are able to move at. Yes. And like it's amazing how that just doesn't happen anymore. So You know, I think it's it's awesome to hear that you guys all kept those promises. And by the way, for those of you considering why a co-founder is so important, that circle of accountability exactly is really really important. You said you you gave your word, I would deliver the regulatory approvals. You know, your other co-founder gave the word, I will deliver the app in one month. You know, so like all of those things are a social contract, which is like far more important than like having more ownership or whatever it might be. So oh undoubtedly um, just to add a couple of things over here it's like me and Shorya when we met at entrepreneur first virtually and then we came back to Bangalore we were beer buddies initially just meeting out for beers ideating a lot and then we were speaking with a lot of different co-founders back then potential co-founders but then we realized that dude we both are friends I come from tech side of finance you come from business side of finance the only thing what we need to validate within ourselves is we are speaking the same language we just need to make sure that we're sticking to our promises on business wise because business is business friendship is friendship until unless you prove to me that you know we both are accountable to to each other promising and executing things that's only we can build a business and we stuck to our promises and that is what I tell to all the people who reach out to me how you found a co-founder as well you need to speak the same language you need to have a personal synergy but at the same time you need to make sure that you're sticking to your promises even if any one of these three breaks in the long run it will have something or other impact so make sure you touch base on these three important things while looking out for a co-founder that that's super good advice and and actually very tactical like if you don't know whether or not the co-founder relationship is going to work out why don't you test it in a project format where you all you know you say like i'm going to do this this week and and you're going to do this this week and then you end the week and if they consistently prove that they do it you know and you consistently prove that you do it and that there's like a consistent cycle you know we i i've talked about this to a lot of startup founders about sales you know if you tell a prospect you're going to call them at friday at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. and you call them at friday at 3 p.m. and even though they say no to you you say okay i'm going to check back in with you on, in a month 
February 24th at 3 p.m. And then you, you start to build that level of consistency and faith, faith and trust. That's really a pattern that, that sort of builds trust. And, and obviously they have Noted. to be good, right? They have to be able to ship. Yes. They have to be level like up to your caliber. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that because at a certain point you guys got the, the sort of the confidence to want to apply to YC. At what moment did you do that application? And maybe talk to me a little bit about that experience and, and getting into YC. Oh, absolutely. So we just got our seed done and then we were we were on, on route to sort of scaling it massively as well. We had roughly around 200,000 users on our platform using back then. And the next phase was super important. The next stage of growth was super important for us. We, we fall under those 17% of companies who raise the seed round and then come to YC for XYZ reasons. And one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to be a part of YC is firstly, we noticed that YC has backed fellows for USA in the past. Uh, this is an amazing company called Yota Savings. And they, they got some great advice and they're, they're one of the largest pricing savings companies in the United States. And secondly, YC gives a very, very honest and raw feedback to the company, even though they scale to whatever stage they are. That hey your comp your business this might be your first two hundred business what you got out of you know thin air but this might not be happening in the next two to two to three years they are that raw because they scale so many companies now that is where we are looking for next level of advisory we're looking for next level of uh, scale and that is what we knew YC would be offering it on a platter so we applied to Y Combinator in October 2021. And then we got the admit into Y Combinator in December 2021. And yeah, that's how we have been part of the winter 22 cohort. And it's been a great journey for us. Great learnings. More than the learnings from the partners, the peer-to-peer -peer learnings have been super phenomenal, especially for my founder, Shaurya. Because on a tech level, we got to know what are the amazing things, what XYC folks and current YC folks have been doing. It wasn't a competition sort of an ecosystem, though most of the people think that you're competing with other YC companies. We never took it in that way at all. But it, it made sure to stick to the best practices, which we weren't following, and take inspirations from those amazing companies who have been working along with us, building a company along with us, and already built in the past. And that is what helped us in bringing in standardization and structure within the company in the long run. And those things have actually helped us out very, very much in terms of rating when we are raising the new round post Y Combinator as well. So that is why we went to YC. And those are some of the best things what we got of YC as well. The comment about peers being super helpful, I yes. I, I really you know, sort of want to double click on that one. The analogy I use all the time and people, I beat this one like a dead horse is yes. starting a company is like being pushed off of a cliff with airplane parts and you have to build an airplane before you splat on the ground. <laughs> and the late stage founders or ones that have already exited or the partners, they might not be building with the same parts and tools, yes. Yes. but they do know about physics. They do know about lift. They do know about drag. Yes. You know, they, they, they know, you know, sort of the basics from a strategic level, right? What's great about the peers is they're building with the same parts for the airplane right now. Yes. And so if you ask them, how did you recruit for a CTO, you know, at this time? How did you open a new office yes. right now? You know what I mean? Those are sort of in the weeds, tactical advice that is incredibly valuable. And, and, and those friends, you know, will carry on with you for as long as, as long as you live. I mean, two of my closest friends are from the YC growth program. And, you know, I think the, the, there's a bit of a sort of, you know, I don't want to diminish obviously going to war because that is a very 
much more difficult you know, sort of experience. But a lot of people build that similar camaraderie to to, to being you know deployed in a way that that is is very you know it, it builds it builds quite a bit of camaraderie. And so you know I think for folks that aren't able to join an accelerator, aren't able to join a program, look up other people that are in a similar industry than you. Look up people online, you know, on LinkedIn that have a pre-seed company that's got a couple hundred K of funding. You know what I mean? Go to meetups and events and create a little, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous type group <laughs> where you meet up once a week or once a month and, and you report, here's what's working, here's what's not. And you do not sugarcoat it, right? Because you and I both know when you get to the YC circle, you know, you you could say you're crushing it, but the partners would see right through that. <laughs> you're not. Call you out on it. <laughs> I just want to add one thing over here, John, as well. As you told, right? YC, I mean, not just with YC as well. One of the things what I noticed and it's out of the learnings, what I made sure we don't do it is uh, make sure to be shameless in asking questions. There is no question which is very less. There is no question which is very big. Asking a question, don't go with this impression that if I ask an XYZ question to someone, they might judge me thinking that, hey, this guy is a co-founder or this this person is a co-founder, this person doesn't even know this. I'll give you the best example from my end. The, in my first investor pitch, I did not know how to crack a unit economic answer in the most effective fashion. I went straight to my advisor, mm-hmm. asked him, hey, I know to put it on paper. I'm not able to put it in words in a very clear way. Please help me out. He helped me. His name is Srikant Chastri. The same things I did at Y Combinator also. Very basic things. Though It was, it was basic for me. They don't judge you. They want to help you in growing the business. So what I advise to any people whenever they reach out to me is ask the questions. Don't hesitate from asking any question and ask the right questions as well. If you do these things, then you see a direct impact happening in your work, either in a short term or in the near long term as well. Super good. I'm right there with you. And I think it's the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you've been able to successfully raise these combined rounds that are quite impressive. You know, what I'm curious about is kind of what you did differently. Each one was impressive in its own right, but sort of one was sort of like pre-YC and the other was post-YC. Yes. I guess, what did you change tactically from one time to the other? It's very simple for us. For the first time, we pitched more of the idea, we, we, we were the first, we are the first gamified finance application in India. The concept was pretty new. During the first few months of fundraising, no one actually believed the idea at all. The first answer what we got was, we don't know if this model will actually work or not. So what we did was, it was all about validating the hypothesis. We validated with good 10,000 to 20,000 odd consumers who were coming, saving and investing on the application. Now that was where, that was a narrative what I used for my first round of funding that, hey, this is an amazingly massive, huge problem statement in India. For that, I'm coming up with the most unique solution, which hasn't been dreamt of. We saw huge, in the, we saw huge validations being done in the West and similar consumer behavior being replicated in India, which hasn't been noticed till date. And we validated it. All we need is capital for you to go to the next stage where we can sort of validate a very, very massive situation with, with a massive scale. Through that, once we showed it to the investors, we were able to raise our first uh, million dollar seed, uh, seed round. Then we happened to go to YC. We became much more, much more concrete with our basics, which through which we could go through the next $4 million round. Now, what we showed in the next $4 million round were uh, two simple matrices. One, the same validation at a massive stage with over 500,000 users. And secondly, 
the growth at which it, at which it went. For example, 72% of our user base came in only through organic referrals because of which our CAC mm. figures were super minimal. Like in India with a $1 million round, we got right now, we, we have over 600,000 users with, and we still have a huge runway even with that 1 million. That is where we prove that we are two founders where we know to spend money frugally. And with frugal mm. uh, money, we were with this frugal spending, we were able to scale to this much, replicating the same matrices at a very massive scale with minimum marketing numbers. Now, right now, we're trying to compete with some of the best fintech companies out there in India. We need capital and we are able to achieve profitability. Now, profitability is something which every investor, every VC is looking out for us uh, in the companies as well. We even happen to pitch to the investors at a very, very early stage. That's where they saw that these were the founders who knew how to build a business, not to build a startup. And we are showing them growth and at a mm. massive scale. Now, these were the differences which we had from the first stage of funding to the stage where we are. And where we are heading right now is, again, very simple. First, we want to have roughly over 5, five million users who are using the application with more and more people investing on the application, reaching the higher asset under management. And right now, we are also looking into retention cohorts. We want to have a four, three to four month retention cohort of roughly over 40 to 50%. Now that proves that, hey, we are in the next out of building the largest new bank and these matrices will prove. So stage by stage, our pitch has been changing. Though the vision has been same, the matrices and why we have been pitching has been different. And that is how we're able to sort of show the growth and get this money backing us as well. I think what you do a fantastic job at, which I, which I really want listeners, viewers to hone in on, is you provide the very clear next 12-month milestone. Yes. Here's what we want to get to, 5 million users, right? But then you zoom out in that same paragraph and say, we want to become the biggest neobank, yes. right? So like, I am going on that journey with you immediately and that's perfectly wrapped in a package of like what do we need to achieve now and what the future is going to look like in a yes. world i'm glad you you mentioned that because we usually end the show yes. with what does the next 12 months look like and what what does the next 10 years look like and you perfectly answered that manish it's been it's been really wonderful to have you on the show today you're the first india based okay startup on, on the pod so congratulations we're gonna blow this up this is thanks a lot thanks a lot for that you know much humble to be here speaking with you as well john and thanks a lot i i hope i spoke some sense i hope i gave some i was super raw no, super you, candid with my feedback and my conversation that's how i tend to be but i hope uh, someone out there listening to this podcast is planning to build the next big unicorn you just never know i hope a couple of my thoughts might be helpful for them that's what i see as well no, absolutely. And I think we also want to end with a plug. So where can people go to get the app and learn more about you if you're hiring? Oh, absolutely. So we are available on App Store and Play Store. The name of the company is Fellow or the app is Fellow. It's F-E-L-L-O. It's an hello with an F and you can download. It's available in India. And also you can go to fellow.in, you will be able to check out the website. And also right now we're hiring, we're hiring across six to seven different positions in tech product and marketing. You can check out us on AngelList. You can also drop me a message on LinkedIn. Manish Mariada is my handle. I'm super, super active on LinkedIn. I'm very responsive over there as well. So happy to pick your brains, happy to speak with you. Spoken like a true founder. The future is bright, uh, yes. Manish, and, and for, for you and fellow. And, and thanks again for joining the pod. Thanks a lot, John, for inviting me as well. Cheers to you. Keep the great stuff going on and wish you all the best as well. Thank you.